This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our monthly Bright Focus chat presented by the Bright Focus Foundation. My name is Guy Eakin. I'm the Vice President of Scientific Affairs at Bright Focus. So today we're delighted to talk with Dr. Gayatri Riley from the Retina Group of Washington, which is a very large eye care practice which specializes in macular degeneration, and it's housed here in the greater Washington, D.C. area. So every month we feature a different topic for our chats, and today we're going to be focusing on dry macular degeneration, also known as dry AMD. So in every chat, if you have a question that you'd like to ask to our caller, and this time Dr. Riley has agreed that she'll be there to answer questions, the way you answer, ask those questions is press star 3, and that'll take you out of the call to submit your question to an operator. If for some reason you're disconnected during the call, there's a number to call back in. That number is 877-229-8493. And then you'll be asked to punch in an ID code, and that's 112435. Again, that ID code is 112435, and 877-229-8493 is the telephone number. So Dr. Riley, you have quite a background with macular degeneration. You've performed research on it, you've trained other clinicians, and of course you're treating patients yourself. Could you provide us with a description of what dry AMD is? Well, I just want to thank you again for uh, inviting me to speak on this very, very pertinent and very interesting uh, topic that affects so many people over the age of uh, 60. So what Macular degeneration is is that it's a condition that gradually destroys the center portion of the vision, and that area is called the macula, and uh, this area is what you need to see objects clearly and to perform uh, daily tasks. Most cases of uh, of macular degeneration start off in this dry form, and uh, that's characterized by uh, a thinning of the macula. Uh, which is, again, the central portion of the vision. What we see on examination is that you get tiny little yellow deposits that we call drusen that develop underneath the retina, and that's the most common earliest sign of dry macular degeneration. It develops slowly. Uh, it's a very gradual condition, but it does cause um, decreased vision uh, gradually as well. And you can also develop severe vision loss with just dry macular degeneration. Unfortunately, what makes it difficult is that there's frequently no pain, and in some cases, uh, you may not even notice it in terms of having vision uh, while you actually have the condition. If I could interrupt you, I heard you for the first time, I heard someone say there's frequently no pain. Are there Are there times when dry macular degeneration or the wet form could, uh, the disease itself could cause pain or another sensation? It's generally very uncommon, um, but very rarely with wet macular degeneration, um, you can develop a, a large uh, hemorrhage that can, a big area of bleeding that can cause pain. But typically, you know, over 95% of the time, it will not be associated with pain. Well, so you, you described for us the, the dry form, and of course, most people are very, very worried about this wet form of the disease, and we 
in the U.S., we probably have about 2 million people that have the wet form of the disease and maybe about another 9 million people with the dry form of the disease. But how, how often do people progress from the, from the dry to the wet form? And can you give a sense of timeline uh, when it does occur? Sure. So it's about 10 to 15% of people who have dry macular degeneration will progress to the wet form. Um, but it's, you know, over the very first five years of uh, the diagnosis of dry macular degeneration, there's almost about a 40% chance of the transformation from dry to wet within the first five years. So it's very, very important to have uh, an early diagnosis and frequent monitoring uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but both at home and with your physician uh, to help uh, assess any transformation from dry to wet. Of course, you say 10 to 15 percent progress to the wet form, and I, I like to hear that 85 to 95, 85 to 90 percent of people uh, don't progress to the uh, to the wet form, but but it's the same message either way. We know that many people out there are are fearful that AMD will blind them. It's described in so many places as a, as a blinding disorder. And that, that, I, I understand that that has some technical uh, context to it that, may, that may, it may not be the complete story just to say that it's, that it's blinding. So what, what do you tell patients when they ask you, will I go blind? Well, you know, I think that's a it's a question that I get every single day, and it's extremely important to address because um, th that answer has changed over time. Um, as you know, first of all, with even the most severe form of macular degeneration, this affects the central vision only. Which the difference between that is that the, you use your peripheral vision less often. But, you know, when you're not focused on something, you still see other parts in your vision, and that's your peripheral vision, and that will always remain intact with even the most severe form of macular degeneration. And the reason why this, is, this answer has changed over time, it was only as little as about 15 years ago we had no treatments at all for wet macular degeneration. And that central part of their vision was something that, you know, we would expect for patients to lose. But now, over the past 10 years with research and, and the treatments have changed dramatically, and what we can actually tell patients and have the expectations are that we hope to maintain good vision and good vision including um, vision that's capable for driving, for uh, reading, and, and that's the expectations that I would hope um, with early diagnosis. So you, you mentioned that uh, the patients are, that you have to monitor their symptoms and identify treatments as necessary. So you have success controlling vision loss, but what are some of the ways that we as a, as a patient population could tell if the disease is progressing? So what, what can we do at home? So there's a couple of things that uh, you can do at home, and I'm really excited about one of the more newer ones. Traditionally, we give uh, patients an AMSR grid, which is a, um, a square of horizontal and vertical lines that resemble a checkerboard. And if you use, you know, you test one eye at a time, close one eye, uh, focus on the central area, and if there's any new areas of that are appear blurry, dark, or distorted, that's something that we consider that you need to call uh, your eye doctor immediately for. That could be a sign that something has changed. 
Um, more recently, and this is just as recent as the end of last year, there's a new device that uh, that you can use at home that just plugs into the wall. You don't need to have an internet connection, but it's called the 4C home monitoring device. It's FDA approved, and it's meant for the earliest detection of wet macular degeneration. So it's for patients who already have the diagnosis of dry macular degeneration, and they use this device. It takes about three minutes per eye, and they use it, you know, as often as they can, at least three to four times a week. And if there was ever a change in their testing, um, there's an alert that gets triggered. And with this device, we've been able to see that in a clinical trial that over 94% of eyes um, were detected with very good vision, meaning 2040 vision or better, uh, compared with just usual waiting for a drop in vision that a patient would see. So I'd like to mention that if you don't already have an Amsler grid or if you'd like more information about the 4C home monitor, that's spelled F-O-R-E-S-E-E, -E -E, you can stay on the line after the chat and leave a message requesting more information. You can also always call us at 1-800-437-243 to ask for those materials. And I should take a reminder to say, if you have a question, do feel free to press star three, and that'll take you out of the out of the conversation just for a moment to submit your question to the to an operator. So you you mentioned that the the four C monitor or the Amsler grid might help in detecting changes, and so if you if you saw a change, if you received one of these these alerts from a, from the four C monitor or, or or just from a patient. And they came into your office, but they, there was a change, but it wasn't necessarily a change to, uh, to the wet form of the disease where we know we have lots of uh, treatments available. What, what would you be doing with that information in the, uh, in the context of dry AMD? Well, I think it's an opportunity to review with the patient, you know, what the status of their, of their macular degeneration is. So, you know, we do classify macular degeneration as dry and wet, but within dry, you know, there's mild, moderate, severe, and those expectations um, really vary between how severe the macular degeneration is. So even if we don't see a change to wet macular degeneration, uh, coming in and, and getting this exam really serves as an opportunity to, to review. And I really think that, you know, like you kind of alluded to earlier, a lot of patients have you know, incorrectly assume that they're going to go blind with this condition. And, and it's an opportunity to sort of reassure and, and say that, you know, things are, um, you know, things are where they are. And, you know, these are the expectations going forward. That's sure. I, I think I, you know, we certainly at the Bright Focus Foundation have our eyes on a couple clinical trials that are happening now. And the hope, of course, is that in the near future, we will have approved therapies for dry AMD. And knowing, knowing your status is, hopefully would uh, put you in line to, you know, to, to be able to take advantage of those opportunities if they come, if they come through. Uh, so again, um, you can press star three to submit questions to an operator. And if you're disconnected from the call, you can dial 877-229-8493. That number again is 877-229-8493. Then you'll be asked to punch in the ID code, which is 112435. 
112435. So we talked a little a bit about the lack of current treatments and research you know, in the pipeline. There's a, there's a couple things up there, but the pipeline isn't very deep to treat, uh, to treat dry AMD. We spoke about this last month, but there's so many patients, and I have in my hand a question from uh, Terry from Maine, who has had dry AMD with uh, geographic atrophy uh, since 1982. And she's wondering what else she can do to protect her eyes. She's saying, I take a I take a product called MacuHealth. I take nutritional supplements, herbs, eat a lot of fruit and vegetables, and I get plenty of exercise. I'm otherwise very healthy. Is there anything else I can do? Well, I would first say that you know it's it's great that she was diagnosed so early, um, especially back in 1982. And it sounds like she's doing everything that I would recommend for any patient to do. The number one thing is maintaining a healthy diet, uh, just just as she is eating a lot of uh, green leafy vegetables, um, avoiding smoking. That is um, essential for uh, the, the process of dry macular degeneration, um, as well as taking the AREDS vitamins. The AREDS vitamins are the the one thing we do have for dry macular degeneration that decreases the risk for that patient uh, from progressing to wet macular degeneration, and it's associated vision loss. And it's something that's available over the counter. Um, you don't need a prescription for, and um, it's it's the one thing that has been proven to decrease that risk. And so. Um as I'm looking looking at my, my list of questions, uh, one of the things that comes up occasionally is we're we're talking about dry AMD, which kind of puts patients in a pattern of wait and see. And I'm curious how often you recommend that people with dry AMD come back and consult it to the eye doctor. Is what what how often should those visits be occurring on a in a in a general sense? Well, generally, a lot of it depends, again, on the level of dry macular degeneration, but the average is somewhere between one and and it can be as much as three times in a year uh, to monitor dry macular degeneration, depending on how concerned or how, how, you know, how advanced the dry macular degeneration is. But I would say the minimum would certainly be one time a year for a good dilated exam. And do you have an opinion on what, there's lots of different Types of eye care providers, but if uh, you know if you were if you were talking to a family member who uh, who who might be experiencing some some vision problems, where where would you send them first? What type of I think yeah, I mean we do have fortunately um, lots of access to eye care with optometrists, uh, general ophthalmologists, and then you know specialists like myself in retina. Um, You know I think if you know, many of my patients see an optometrist uh, once a year. Um, they do a complete and thorough eye examination, and um, you know, check check them for a variety of um, eye eye conditions. However, if they were experiencing any <clears throat> particular vision loss or change, I would say your general ophthalmologist would be a good place to start because they're really able to. Um, 
assess whether, you know, is it a cataract that's changing? Is there any signs of glaucoma that's causing things? They're really able to um, fine-tune and, and help make a diagnosis of what exactly is causing this change in vision. Okay. Thank you. So we're going to turn to some questions that are coming in from people who are listening on the chat today. And as I, as I said earlier, you can ask your own questions by pressing star three to be taken to an operator. We have one from Jeff from California, and he has dry macular degeneration. And he says that sometimes the blurriness seems to go from one eye to the other. How or why is this happening? And do you have any advice for Jeff? Um, well, Jeff, you know, with the, with dry macular degeneration, it's not uncommon to have uh, fluctuations in your vision. Um, you know, there there are going to be times, both whether it's in a day or in an eye, where um, you're going to have uh, changes to the vision where sometimes it's better and sometimes it's not. The best thing I would recommend is that, um, you know, particularly if you notice uh, that there's a lot of fluctuations in, in the day, I would make sure that the eyes are very well lubricated. Um, sometimes dryness uh, kind of compounds uh, the problems that we have um, inherently, whether it's from cataracts or uh, macular degeneration. And, you know, I would try to assess whether does it fluctuate, you know, frequently while I'm reading or on the computer um, or, you know, and really pinpoint when uh, you, you notice that there's fluctuations in the vision. Thank you. I hope, Jeff, I hope that answers your question. We have a, a set of similar questions coming in from Carol from Ohio, as well as Carolyn from California, who are asking about cataracts in the context of macular degeneration. And they're asking, are there situations in which you would have concerns about giving cataract surgery to an AMD patient? Well, that's a really good question and definitely a question that we get almost every day. And, you know, prior to just a couple of years ago, we didn't really have a good answer for it. You know, we sort of anecdotally saw that most patients did okay. But, you know, there was a recent uh, large study that was just published last year that looked at this, you know, did pa whether they ha patients had mild, moderate, advanced macular degeneration and what happened after they had cataract surgery. And fortunately, we saw that this had over a thousand thousand uh, patients enrolled in this. And we saw that uh, vision improvement was, was seen in all, all these groups, whether it was mild or even advanced macular degeneration um, after cataract surgery. So I no longer, um, you know, I certainly encourage uh, my patients who need to have cataract surgery and they have macular degeneration, I try to reassure them that from what we know that they can certainly undergo cataract uh, surgery without any expectation that there would be any change change to their macular degeneration. The exception to that would be if there has been a change to wet macular degeneration and it's it's a bit un uncontrolled. And as you know, we have treatments for wet macular degeneration. And ideally, we would like uh, the wet macular degeneration to have at least started treatment. And um, again, this is all assessed in the office just to make sure that, you know, things are relatively controlled prior to having any surgery. The best thing would certainly be, you know, discussing this with uh, your your eye doctor and they'd certainly be able to tell you on a case-by-case -case basis. So a few calls ago, we had a, a man named Jim Hyman on the, uh, as a 
uh, as a guest on our program, and he had a tele- uh, he had a implant in his eye. It was a, a lens that is relatively recently been approved for for macular degeneration. And Anne from Mississippi is asking why that that telescopic implant uh, can't be done after a cataract surgery. So she's uh, asking as well about cataract surgery, but also asking about this implantable telescopic lens that uh, has been recently recently approved by the FDA. Because the um, it's a very good question. It's more just a technical component of the telescope itself. So it's um, it actually has to be done in conjunction with the cataract surgery. And so you can't have already had the surgery in order to implant the, the telescope. The telescope is with the new in, intraocular lens that would be put into the eye at the time of cataract surgery. So in order for the device to even be placed, you need to, to never have had cataract surgery first. So Charles from Georgia has asked, and I, I think Charles hit on something that I realize we take a shorthand around here. He asked, when I say macular degeneration, is that any different than AMD? That's a good question because there's a lot of different terms that people um, end up using for the condition of AMD. And the most precise is AMD, saying, you know, it's age-related macular degeneration. This is kind of one condition that is with a, has a larger umbrella of macular degenerations. So macular degeneration, um, most commonly if somebody's speaking about macular degeneration, they're talking about the age-related macular degeneration, but there are other macular dystrophies and other conditions that affect the macula that um, also have a whole completely different um, set of expectations and prognosis. So um, the nomenclature, nomenclature is certainly very, very important to differentiate. And um, I will say, though, most of the time when we say macular degeneration, we do mean um, AMD. And that that A stands for age. And and so I apologize for the shorthand we use, but we're we're, we're almost always, uh, like Dr. Riley, talking about the age-related form of macular degeneration, so both the dry and the wet form. There was a question about whether or not the dry could progress into wet, and that is that is one of the hallmarks of the of wet macular degeneration, that it uh, that it can start off as a as a dry form and convert over time into wet uh, wet macular degeneration. Going on to Carmen from Florida, uh, Carmen says that she was diagnosed with AMD a year ago, and has had five injections with Lucentis and Ilea. These are two drugs for wet macular degeneration. And so that was on the left eye for wet and with no results. She went to Baskin Palmer and concluded that they had, that she, they concluded that she had dry in both eyes. And she's wondering if, if the injections ever make things worse. And can the inject, have the, is it possible that the injections could have made her left eye worse? Um, you know, what more commonly uh, would probably happen was that one of the outcomes for the injections for wet macular degeneration is for the fluid that we that we see, for that to go away and ultimately make the macula dry again. So what I would suspect happened was that in the in the left eye, you, you were treated, again, with the five injections, and that it's transformed the eye from being 
initially wet and has dried out the macula after these injections. And by the time you were examined um, at Bascom Palmer, the fluid has resolved, and which is, you know, actually a goal of the injections. So it's a bit of a, a longer answer to the question, but uh, injections don't tend to make the vision worse or make anything uh, worse in the eye. But it sounds like you actually got very good care in that what was what was wet macular degeneration has now become uh, dried out, and then the fluid has regressed. Okay, so I, I do want to say that some of the words we're using are a little long. We're naming some names of drugs. Uh, we will have, if you give us just a little bit, uh, give us a week or so, we'll have the transcript up on our website. We'll also have it available if you would like to dial in and just ask, ask for a copy of the transcript. And you can dial it in at 1-800-437-2423. Just give us a week to prepare that transcript for you. The... Um, so one woman who, who wrote in with severe AMD in both eyes and asked if she could participate in any clinical trials. So could you, could you tell her how, to, uh, how, how you go about recommending people to how they would find about, about clinical trials or yeah. what clinical trials they might be in their own case uh, yeah, appropriate absolutely. their condition? So there are a lot of clinical trials for uh, wet macular degeneration that are currently enrolling. Um, there's also actually a, a brand new um, clinical trial for dry macular degeneration that is uh, going to be enrolling patients in the upcoming um, month, and, and this is all brand new. Um, on our website, uh, which is www.rgw.com, if you go to clinical trials, it has um, a list of all the clinical trials uh, that uh, that are ongoing for both wet macular degeneration, for dry macular degeneration, and for other conditions aside from macular degeneration. Kind of summarizes. Um, uh, what the condition is and, and what it's trying to assess. So usually what I have uh, when patients come in, um, I'll have a pretty good idea if any of these uh, patients would be eligible for a clin clinical trial. Thank you. So Mary from Illinois has wet macular degeneration in one eye, and she's had three injections so far. Uh, the doctor is saying that eh, no more are needed at this time, and she's asking if it could be possible that she would need more in the future. So statistically, the answer would be yes. So macular degeneration, and the reason why we have so many frequent visits is that it tends to kind of go up and down um, with, with time. and having such a good result after three injections and possibly not needing any is a very, very good sign. Uh, that shows that the eye is responding very well to the medication and, um, you know, overall has a, a good prognosis. However, it is common and it is almost more likely that uh, the the wet wolf, the fluid will re, re, reoccur, and you may need more injections in the future. And that's where importance of follow-up is so essential, where um, you still come in, you know, initially every month to every couple of months to make sure that the fluid has not come back. So Ms. Darcy from Colorado wrote in and asked if there are specific types of light that can either help or irritate people who suffer from AMD. 
Well, it's been known that blue uh, blue wavelengths of light is considered to be harmful for eyes in general, uh, for the macula. And um, blue wavelengths of light have been sort of wondered, and there's been many, many uh, research uh, trials looking at whether, you know, having exposure to blue light uh, impacts macular degeneration. It's never been actually uh, determined to be the case, but blue wavelengths of light have certainly been found to be somewhat harmful to to the macula and its uh, pigment that, that lie in the, in the macula. Uh, on the other hand, um, bright light, like the uh, LED lights um, that we have, are very helpful for patients with macular degeneration because, um, as many of you know, needing more light is, is part of uh, part of having uh, the disease, and the, the bright LED lights seem to help patients the most. And there's another question in here uh, asking for clarification between what dry AMD is and retinal detachments. So uh, to my knowledge that they're, they're separate things, but could you tell us a little bit more about retinal, retinal detachments and any relationship there might be to dry AMD? Sure. So those are two completely unrelated uh, conditions that can happen to your retina. And having one does not predispose you to developing the other at all. And that is always something that's important. A retinal detachment is actually where the, the retina, which is the wallpaper of the eye, has separated from the wall of the eye. And um, there's Usually, uh, a retinal tear that has caused this, and usually surgery is necessary to reattach the retina to the wall of the eye. Um, again, what's very important, having the retinal detachment does not put you at any higher uh, risk of having macular degeneration and or vice versa. Okay. Uh Dorothy from Maryland is asking about just living with macular degeneration. Her husband has dry and is, is still using his car and asking if there's any devices that can be installed to, to help with backing up. Well, there are, um, you know, there are things like uh, uh, cameras that can be installed in the car to help uh, improve uh, visibility. Um, there's a lot of things that are available for patients with dry macular degeneration that low vision therapists um, are very helpful in um, identifying uh, what would be most helpful. So these are optometrists who um, specialize in in these conditions like macular degeneration and other things that gradually influence your uh, vision. And based on what uh, problems that you have, they really help to optimize um, things, whether it's LED lights or other devices to um, improve your quality of life. So thank you. So Sue from Michigan is asking, is there still a 40% chance that the dry AMD can change to wet even if she's taking the ARIDS supplement. So maybe if you could make a statement about the home monitoring uh, you know, in, in addressing her question. Um, yes. So the, the ARIDS vitamins, while they are 
great and is really essential for dry macular degeneration, they decrease the risk. So um, it can certainly still occur. Um, it does decrease the risk to from a you know like we mentioned about forty something percent to about thirty something percent. And while that doesn't sound like a gigantic difference, it's still very, very relevant over such a large population of, of patients who have dry macular degeneration. And so um, it doesn't take away, make the risk zero, unfortunately. So there are many patients who are taking the vitamins and um, and, and take it religiously and still, unfortunately, can can develop wet macular degeneration. And that's where this home monitoring device uh, comes in. And what's so effective about this home monitoring device is that it can detect this transformation from dry to wet um, way before whether you would notice it or you would have impact in your ability to read or even just using the Amsler grid. It detects it um, much sooner than you otherwise would. And the one thing we know about wet macular degeneration is that the sooner it gets detected with better vision, the better uh, that patient will do. We have a very good amount of treatments that are designed to maintain vision, and it's it's always harder to regain vision. So if you come in and your vision is still, um, you know, 20, 30, and, and you're still able to read and you're still able to drive, I can tell that patient that, you know, what my expectation is, is that I'm hoping that we should be able to maintain that, and I'm not expecting you to, to lose vision because the medications that we have now are very good at maintaining this vision. And that's why I do think the home monitoring device, being able to, de you know, detect it before uh, before you otherwise would, um, is so important. So Jim from Virginia asked kind of a nice a nice follow up to that question is when 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 you're dealing with wet macular degeneration, how important is it to get the injections and how soon how soon should you start those injections? Well, you know, that's very um, dependent on each eye, but frequently we initially uh, do these injections once a month, and they don't work very well when um, we're off schedule. And initially, you know, you might need at least three injections, you know, each done once a month to get enough medication in the eye to start to stabilize things. They don't work as well if we do one injection and then... Um, you know, for whatever reason, you come back uh, three or four months later, and then you need another injection. And the, these drugs only seem to last and be effective for about uh, four weeks. So um, it is very, very important to, to keep these follow-ups. And your doctor usually will tell you, you know, if you can come back in four weeks or six weeks or even eight weeks in some cases. Um, but it, the, the follow-up is definitely essential. We had one question asking about itching in, in dry eye, and uh, there's, I think it's a clarification issue. Dry eye is a, is, a, is a condition that can occur in eyes, and it is different from dry, in dry macular degeneration. Uh, could, you, could you elaborate on that for us? Absolutely. So, um, Dry eye uh, refers to the the very front part of your eye. Um, the cornea is the outer shell of the eye, and um, if you're not able to produce enough tears, uh, you're, that's when you kind of get a sensation that something might feel like something's in the eye, or uh, sometimes you tear a little extra and your eye is very watery. 
Um, and that's where lubricating drops and, and things help uh, with dry eye. Now, dry macular degeneration affects the back lining of the eye, the retina, which is um, in the back part of the eye and is more of a process where that area, the macula, starts to get thin as we get older and older. And I should say there's a number of uh, a number of questions that are coming in about conditions that that are important uh, important conditions and and asking if there's any recommendation for them. I, we want to keep the conversation to macular degeneration right now, but improvements on those conditions are certainly something you should discuss with your eye care provider. So Dominic from New Jersey is asking if bright sunlight will hurt his eyes if if it doesn't wear if he doesn't wear sunglasses and sometimes when he's he's driving he he doesn't he doesn't see everything that he expects to see and asking the question is that normal well, exposure to bright light um, can affect vision in a couple of ways. Uh, if you have a pre-existing cataract, ha uh, being exposed to bright light can make your vision worse. Um, also, exposure to bright light in general can also accelerate the cataract development, as well as it is slightly implicated with macular degeneration. We usually recommend, if at all possible, uh, to to wear sunglasses so that you decrease uh, your the, the exposure to sun to your eyes because it is um, certainly something that accelerates uh, specifically cataract formation. We talked a little bit about blue wavelength light earlier, which blue wa blue wavelengths are a component of the uh, of the light that we have in our environment that comes from the sun. Uh, we didn't talk about protecting the eye. I, I want to say that we have an article that we distribute through the mail and through, um, through our website called the Insights article that talks about choosing the best sunglasses. But Dr. Riley, could you, could you tell me something about, uh, about what types of sunglasses or eye protection you might, you might tell people or any rules of thumb you might give people as they're going out and looking for something that will work for them and their condition? Um, you know, I, I like polarized uh, sunglasses because they do um, uh, prevent uh, the, the harmful UV light and, and the blue light from being absorbed um, to the eye. Uh, that's usually what I recommend. But to be honest, I, you know, any sunglasses is better than no sunglasses at all. So I would uh, um, ideally recommend uh, polarized sunglasses, but uh, we're just sunglasses overall. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we have a question from Doris from Massachusetts, and she's taking something called uh, Preservation for dry AMD, and she's asking if there's something else that she should be taking. And I, I'm just curious, uh, what are the uh, what are the general uh, supplements and things that we can buy that that you would recommend in your office? Sure. So this is it gets very confusing um, because there are because it is available over the counter we talked about the AREDS vitamins and there's multiple companies that produce these vitamins 
Um, and these companies also make a general uh, eye health vitamin that frequently gets advertised on, on television. And it gets confusing. Am I supposed to be taking, um, you know, the, the general eye health uh, vitamin? Am I supposed to be taking something else? So the, the, what I usually recommend the most is that there's, you know, there's companies that make the vitamins, and they're called Preservision, Occuvite, Focus, uh, Macula Pro. These are all um, vitamins that are meant for macular degeneration. But the part that, that patients need to be clear about is that when they're buying the vitamins, it does have to say AREDS formula. So any true vitamin that is meant for macular degeneration will either say AREDS, A-R-E-D-S, or AREDS-2 uh, formula on it. And that's going to differentiate it from a general, uh, you know, eye vitamin um, that they should be taking. The, the AREDS-2 formula is a more recent formulation of um, the original AREDS formula, and it incorporates um, a couple of extra uh, things, lutein and zeaxanthin, into the, the vitamins, which allow the vitamins to take out vitamin A. So um, it was at one point important to differentiate uh, whether you smoked in the past or not. And for smokers, we did not want them to take uh, an AREDS vitamin that had vitamin A in it because there's a risk of lung cancer. So to make things um, a little bit easier and also through the clinical trial, the AREDS 2 supplementation took vitamin A out completely for all formulations and added antioxidants, lutein and zeaxanthin, and in order to uh, still can, can prevent the, the transformation to wet macular degeneration. Well, thank you so much. That's all incredibly helpful. We are running out of time. The, the time has just flown by that we have. Um, we are committed here to providing the information that you need most. Take a moment to let us know if this chat answered some of the questions that you have about AMD. If you found it very helpful today, we'd appreciate it if you press 1 on your phone. If you found the topic somewhat helpful, uh, you could tell us that by pressing 2. And if you press 3, you'll be telling us that you did not find the topic helpful and that we have a little bit more work to do. So that would be 1 for very helpful, 2 for somewhat helpful, helpful, and 3 for did not find this topic helpful. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you to Dr. Riley for generously going through all the questions with us and to everyone who joined the call and asked those questions. Within about a week, we'll be posting a recording and a transcript of, a, of the call on our website. You can also listen to the and download the chats on iTunes or SoundCloud, or you can call 1-800-437-2423. That's 1-800-437-2423, and you can request a transcript or any of the materials that we have, and we'll put them in the mail for you. Our next chat will be on low vision therapy, what you should know. It's on Wednesday, April 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And we do encourage you, as always, to register and submit questions in advance. And we'll be sending you a reminder email if you were registered on this call. So you can register right now for the April chat and request those free materials from Bright Focus, like our Macular Degeneration Essential Facts Brochure or our fact sheet about the 4C Home Monitor. You can do that by calling us at that number, 1-800-437-2423, or visiting our website at brightfocus.org. That's O-R-G. Thank you again to everyone for joining us today. Thank you to Dr. Riley for providing your expertise. 
And if you'd like to leave a comment after the call, just stay on the line. Thank you from all of us at Bright Focus Foundation, and have a great day. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.